Trending news right now. Hashtags and headlines in part of the news that have made headlines and and, uh, uh, headlines and hashtags we're discussing with journalist, social commentator and publisher of 013 News. It is Monday, so we look at the weekend, uh, the past 72 hours instead of the 24 that we normally do with the other days. Pumelelo, a great start to the week for you. How are you? Good morning, good morning, Nathanda. I'm great. Uh, and how are you this morning? I'm good. Thank you very much. We look forward to whatever the week will have in store, but we'll also make sure that it has what we want it to have in store. Hashtag SA being grey listed. South Africa has officially been grey listed by the FATF. Let's start about that. The Financial Action Task Force has put us on this list. Yeah, um, the Financial Action uh, Task Force is an agency based in uh, France, uh, in particular Paris, and uh, they've issued uh, now a warning, a great listing South Africa, uh, that uh, our financial controls uh, seem not to be geared at combating uh, money laundering. And, and uh, uh, we've been placed on the list along with uh, 100 other countries uh, including uh, Nigeria and Morocco um, here in Africa. Now, uh, you know, social media was a buzz on, on Thursday and Friday about this for Sunday, and um, a lot of people have been um, taking uh, the chance to attach it to the president's Palapala uh, uh, saga, mm-hmm. uh, saying, well, we should have expected it when uh, our president has... Uh, you know, charges uh, uh, or allegations of money laundering uh, hanging over his head, that if, uh, you know, um, as a country, the perception that we have uh, in the world is that uh, even our head of state could be even complicit in such things than what is happening down at the bottom, uh, you know, with the ordinary criminal syndicates and all of that. Uh, But yeah, that's where we stand as a country. It doesn't really have any, uh, you know, serious immediate consequence of Sunday. It's not like a Moody's rating where immediately our sovereign debt rating is affected. Uh, but it may increase our chances of, of, of uh, increased interest rates uh, when it comes to international borrowing on the markets. So it might be a problem for us to borrow from bodies like the IMF and, and so on, and we just declared a state or we are about to, uh, the move is that that's where we should go in terms of load shedding to declare a state of national disaster. That would need funding, and that would be a problem then for us. Absolutely. Um, uh, uh, Maybe not so much a problem that wouldn't raise the funds um, or the the capital on on the bond markets, but uh, the cost of borrowing might be increased because of us being placed uh, on that grey list. And obviously, uh, South Africa now has uh, about 12 months to implement uh, those controls in order for it to uh, succeed in the next review uh, when, when, when that is done by the Financial Action Task Force. So, I mean, you do say it's, it doesn't result in any immediate consequences, but as time goes, could we see foreign companies withdrawing from the country or some kind of boycott economically? Because this has scarred or will scar our international reputation. Yeah, um, you know, um, I, I, I don't 
I really don't see it happening. Uh, foreign companies leaving uh, because of this. We know that uh, uh, you know a couple of years ago, former President Chabongo uh, chaired a parliamentary panel on illicit financial flows in the country, and that panel found that uh, a lot of the big uh, multinational conglomerates were complicit in. Um, uh, you know, uh, laundering money out of the country as much as uh, 400 billion rand, I think, was being said, uh, to be leaving the continent uh, through illicit financial flows. At the time, we quoted companies like MTN that had uh, multiple shop companies and tax havens, uh, which were essentially the owner, owning companies of the subsidies in the other countries. Therefore, if, uh, if MTN in South Africa made money, it declared that money in a tax haven uh, uh, like uh, the Cayman Islands, for example, mm-hmm. where uh, it was just a shelf company and just had a small office, but because then, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the income is regulated as being foreign, uh, therefore they're not paying countries in, uh, or tax in the countries where they operate. Uh, the mining companies are very complicit in uh, illicit financial flows uh, through you know, the exporting of undeclared uh, minerals and all of that. So I don't think uh, corporate South Africa, uh, you know, we often look at uh, government and say uh, there's so much corruption, but we forget that, uh, you know, corporate South Africa is about as much corrupt as uh, the government. And and I think while business continues to make more money, um, they are not, uh, prepared to sacrifice uh, profits at the altar of uh, uh, their moral campus. So I don't think a big company is going to pull out of South Africa uh, because of this report, uh, because we know that uh, half of the problem may be money laundering, but half of it is illicit financial flows out of the country. And uh, big businesses, um, uh, I think, uh, very much involved in that. All right, let's talk hashtag ANC and hashtag Dereita charges. The ANC, the African National Congress, threatening Andre Dereita, the former CEO of ESCOM, with charges. And this follows allegations he made during a media interview. What will the charges be and uh, why? Yeah, um, you know, the, the African National Congress actually was uh, out uh, all over social media and then they have a platform of national discourse for Sunday since uh, the announcement of uh, ESCOM Chief Executive Andre Durator to uh, immediately resign uh, uh, following a mutual uh, uh, agreement with the board. That's what the statement said. Uh, but it was funny that uh, uh, the, the former CEO uh, gave a very explosive interview to uh, uh, an ETV journalist and and and. Following that, uh, there was an announcement of his resignation. And in the interview, he, he made uh, you know wide-ranging allegations against uh, the African National Congress, saying it was responsible uh, for the rot in Eskrim, uh, saying the ANC is at the heart of uh, dismembering the power utility because uh, the party is literally using the power utility to borrow his words uh, as a feeding trough. And uh, he said... Uh, there was a, a, a cabinet minister who was aiding and abetting this, and uh, that the, 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 the power utility was being hollowed out by the ANC itself, and that management found itself 
uh, in a position where it could not implement turnaround strategies or combat uh, some of the sabotage and corruption that's been happening that's been really bringing the, the, the power utility to its uh, But the ANC coming out and saying, um, you know, he was an accountant officer of a power utility for the past four years. Why did he not, in terms of his obligation on the Prevention and Combating of Corrupt Activities Act, uh, act on that information and report that to the police because mm-hmm. the act obliges any accountant officer comes across such information to report it to the uh, director for priority crimes investigation, especially uh, on a matter of uh, uh, things occurring inside a national key point like Eskom. So what will the charges be then, according to the ANC? Um, the charges would be um, it just I'm, I'm, I'm just I just lost. So that. it would be like withholding information or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I think it's it's, it's in terms of the pressure. They they Sigila Badula mentioned the pressure and said, well, he he then failed to 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 assist the police in combating whatever that corruption is. Uh, so they said uh, they were expecting him to actually uh, lay charges uh, in the next uh, seven days or so, or else they would be in charges against him. Um, so, yeah, it looks like uh, the issue of unregulator uh, is far from uh, being over where Eston is concerned. So then the interim CEO, who was the CFO of ESCOM, uh, Kalib Kasim, Will there be any expectations in terms of him expressing some sort of sentiment around this, or what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, at this point uh, it's a political hot potato. Uh, you know, when when you have uh, the Secretary General of uh, the party coming into matters of governance and and, and commenting so forcefully uh, around something that is happening at a power utility instead of a government minister, a minister in the presidency, or the minister responsible for the power utility, uh, you've had actually, uh, you know, literally the the, 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 the CEO of the ANC uh, coming out and saying, and defending the ANC saying, uh, you know, we cannot be called corrupt uh, by uh, somebody who failed to do his job, basically. As we talk interim CEOs for ESCOM, there's also interim vice chancellor looking into that in terms of the University of Cape Town. They are to appoint an interim vice chancellor following Mamukheti Pakeng's early retirement. Why is she retiring early and uh, what is the story here? Yeah, well, um, you know, the, the university's former um, ombudsman. Uh, so uh, being at the center of the story between uh, the University Council and uh, Professor Mamukhete Pakeng, who is the university's researcher, uh, who served as the vice chancellor from 2018 and is presently on her second term, which ends uh, in 2028. But uh, the university, well, you're sort of breaking the story, but uh, the Eastern ending. Retirement uh, agreement with the, the vice chancellor putting uh, allegations of bullying at the institution uh, and and uh, governance after uh, her deputy left under 
you know, mysterious circumstances. Uh, that, that investigation was instituted, uh, uh, but uh, before it was even concluded, uh, this announcement saying that they've reached an agreement uh, to part ways uh, by the 3rd of March, which is this coming week. So she, she ceases to, to become or to be the Chancellor of the University of Cape Town. Of course, uh, social media having uh, none of it um, saying that uh, she's actually being targeted uh, for being black uh, because she's taken action against, uh, you know, white professors at, at the university. And, and uh, this early retirement plan, which includes a golden handshake of some uh, six million rand, also was uh, proof enough that actually she's being forced out of her position. Do you expect a tell-all interview? I mean, she has agreed to take the early retirement as of the 3rd of March, so it doesn't look like there's any tug of war at this point. Do you expect a, a tell-all interview, and would that work in her favor after all of this? Yeah, uh, uh, well, um, you know, the university has its council meeting on Tuesday. Usually the, the university releases a press statement uh, within 23 hours. Uh, but uh, by Friday last week, Sunday, they had still not released a statement on uh, the, the early retirement agreement, uh, which led to speculation um, uh, from, uh, as well as information from sources inside the university saying that um, the, the whole thing was being delayed because she insisted that the press statement, the press statement must exonerate her from allegations and. Uh, aspersions that have been cast over her character capacity to lead mm-hmm. and govern. Um, and, and by Friday, close of business, the statement still hasn't been released. So, um, you know, so now whatever is out in the media is from sources, is hearsay, it's been confirmed in certain quarters, but the university has not released the statement. And um, I, I think uh, what comes out of that. Uh, whether they do release a statement uh, saying that uh, she is exonerated or exonerating her from these allegations, uh, given the mutual agreement uh, to part ways, uh, then I think we can expect uh, something like that uh, to come out. But I think uh, if they do uh, comply with her request, which is obviously, uh, uh, you know, has an impact on her reputation and her ability uh, to to lead elsewhere or to get another job somewhere. Um, I think uh, she may go out into the media to actually uh, try and exonerate herself. Uh, but uh, she's been out on social media, you know, goofing about, you know, sending cryptic messages, boxing and saying one nil, and and all sorts of other stuff. So. Uh, she she seems to be to have been taken it, uh, on her sleeve, and um, we can definitely expect after uh, this period to to know more about actually what happened. But the agreement is under still mm-hmm. locks her in the university's employment uh, in the education department uh, for the next uh, twelve months, uh, where she she will work at the university and then finally exit. So. Um, the details of that agreement, of course, we'll never see the light of day uh, because it is quite confidential. I don't think we'll ever see an agreement of a golden handshake anyway. 
but I I think I think that uh, we'll definitely find out more in the weeks to come, especially I think once she has vacated office, uh, she may be at liberty to uh, speak more. All right. Well, let's leave it on that uh, then for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Your plans for Hi, the week? Thunder. Hi, can you hear me, Pumalele? Okay, I think there's uh, issues there with the line, but we are, at least it gave us time to finish with the feature today. We went cut off while we still wanted to chat some more. Pumele Lomashfane is journalist, social commentator and publisher of 013 News.